I went to the solution side far too quickly. And I think that, you know, this is one example of pattern. I just keep, you know, a lesson I keep learning in some ways, right? As a leader, it's got to be people first, process, everything else second. Because if you don't bring the people with you, if you don't have a team that actually has bought into whatever the vision is that we're trying to build, then you can't get there. Stuart, welcome to the show. Well, thanks, Green. Thanks so much for having me. Really excited to be here talking with you. Yeah, likewise. Let's imagine we're on an island for for a moment and you only had one marketing tactic to to employ. What's what's one thing that you would go back to like no matter what? If if you only had access to one thing, what would that thing be? That's a great question. I think, you know, the the thing that that I always find to be the most impactful is really working directly with people, talking directly with people. And I think that going out into the field takes a lot of work, takes a lot of organization to get there, but it has such a high reward because the depth of the interaction you can have. Uh, uh, so I think I would say that. So like just whatever a market you're serving, find where they are, go to them and uh, uh, talk about what you're doing. Uh, uh, I'd like to keep them all, but uh, I'll, I'll choose that one, I suppose. Yeah, th that is so interesting. We were I, I was actually talking to, um, to, to, to another guest recently around how um, like when we actually take time to like get a marketing degree or get marketing like formal kind of like marketing education how relevant is that to like all the craziness that's going on right now around like ai and everything else and we both kind of came to the consensus that um there are some foundational things there are some like kind of like first principles if you like that won't change you know ai are not like you know trends are not like there are some things that you can always kind of fall, fall back into and it seems I, I i think that this is definitely one of them for sure I agree. And I think that especially as different things get more popular, it's, you're competing doubly so with everybody else who's using those same tactics. And so anything that you can do to sort of like undercut the way that other people are going to market and just be different, I think is critical. And showing up is is the hardest thing to do in a lot of ways. So. Yeah, 100%. So we're going to we're gonna dive into your journey. Um, you, you've been at a lot of different various companies from, uh, you know, from Autodesk all the way, of course, to, to Tiger. But just to help me set the stage, do you want to talk a little bit about what you're spearheading right now, and then we'll rewind the tape from there. Yeah, that sounds great. So uh, um, I lead uh, marketing at uh, Tigerag. Uh, we're very early stages, uh, still a little bit uh, in stealth mode, but uh, we're, we're building tools for really sales and go-to-market teams to help uh, sort of find and mitigate risk. So it's exciting. You know, it's fun to be there uh, uh, from the earliest days and really starting to build up the the, the marketing practice as well as influence uh, uh, product and sort of a lot of the uh, way that we work. Yeah, quite quite the change from Autodesk though. Oh, for sure. Yeah, well, you know, it's uh, I loved Autodesk. It was a great company to be at for a couple of years, and uh, so really appreciate the opportunities I had there. Uh, but it's also uh, you know large company, uh, uh, even my my large team there, uh, which uh, was a fantastic team. But it's just you know it, I, I like both sides of it really. I like uh, being able to lead teams, but also just sort of get to the work, focus on on this sort of core, clear, simple mission, and and uh, just go to work. Yeah, that, 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 that makes sense. And, um, I, I, I think, yeah, like a, it, it's definitely something that, um, like, you know, obviously like the, the experience that you get at a small company is, is very different than, than what you get at a large company. And, uh, just because we've, um, we've had experience in one doesn't necessarily mean that a lot of that is transferable to the other, but you've actually had a very interesting journey because I don't think you started in marketing at all, right? No, that's right. Yeah. So. Uh, I started, um, my film was my uh, degree in college. And so I sort of uh, uh, graduated with that, not quite sure what to do with that. Uh, over the couple of years, made it into into tech 
uh, um, at a company that was sort of pre-iPhone mobile. So interesting stuff there. And that was the place where I kind of like saw technology as, as, as the thing that I wanted to do. Uh, but gotcha. originally sort of a lot of my work was in product. So um, did product work for a number of years at a, a couple of different uh, startups. And then it was at Plan Grid where I was uh, prior to getting acquired by Autodesk that I Gotcha, gotcha. And and the switch from kind of like uh, film, like originally film to to product, I that 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 is, it's actually really interesting. Like, what was was that kind of like a natural move for you, or? Uh, I think that it was. Um, uh, uh, yes, in the sense that I found this work at the, at that company to be particularly interesting. Right, it mm-hmm. felt like it was something that that I was well suited to and just really uh, uh, enjoyed doing. And so, you know, I love films. I love uh, that kind of work as well. But there's something um, uh, just about sort of like thinking through the different kinds of problems in in product, but also technology more broadly that is super uh, engaging, right? So like just yeah, sure. creating uh, 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 um, something out of nothing and, and just helping the world sort of see a problem differently. Yeah, and I, I think it's interesting with regards to, to the marketing discipline specifically, because like just from from what I've been learning from from a lot of folks who've been on the show, like we've had folks who studied uh, film, you know, obviously st- studied uh, zoology, studied like, um, you know, a lot of, you know, journalism, like so many different kind of like diverse backgrounds. And not only is that, um, quote unquote, like, okay to, to, to transition into marketing from, but I, I'm starting to learn that like, it's almost a competitive advantage when you didn't when you don't necessarily come from like a typical um, marketing sort of background for, for case in point, uh, I mean, I'm just one person, but like I had like a, a classic, you know, like four, uh, you know, four year marketing degree, if you like. Uh, but I, I always say, you know, that like genuinely the first, the day that I really started learning my first thing about marketing was after I graduated. Um, and I wonder like if, if, if like having a diverse background, like something that is perhaps very far removed from marketing, uh, almost like enables you to come into this with fresh eyes as opposed to like, hey, let's just lean back on the best practices. Let's just do a, you know, like a, a SWOT analysis and a pestle analysis and so on. I think that, you know, the thing that I took away the most from from that study in college was just being forced to really think and express myself clearly in in writing and in thought. And uh, I think that that comes from a lot of different liberal arts traditions and university. And so whoever's coming from zoology had to do the same thing. And so, you know, it, it may not be sort of a directly applicable skill, but it's a hyper relevant one to marketing because we're only trying to communicate clearly what, what we can do, how we can do something differently. And so the, just that, 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 that sort of core uh, rigor of, of, of thoughtfulness and expression, I think is, 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 is one of the key pieces that I took away. And I agree with you that, you know, like tactics are always going to be uh, um, uh, changing. So it's sort of like you can't really learn what the job is going to be for you five or 10 years from now, no matter what you're studying in school. So uh, 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 that everybody gets that same advantage of, of, of coming in fresh once they actually leave school, I think. Yeah, 100%, especially because, um, you know, like, at least, and this is just like me critiquing, like what I've learned in, in, in college, like 100 years ago is, um, you know, they would always like, say, hey, you're, you're a VP of marketing at this place, or you're a CMO at this place, and you're not even graduated yet. Um, and, and sometimes like, there's this big shock of like, hey, here's your first job, you're going to be an intern, uh, like a social media intern, and you're going to work for free. And it's like, but I just did four years of hypothetically being the VP or the C. And they're like, yeah, yeah forget that. Uh, we need you. This is what we need you to do. Uh, you know, so it's like, I, 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 I hope or maybe maybe I'm just not like, uh, uh, 
educated enough about like the various programs out there, but like, I hope that there's a lot of that, like from a marketing education standpoint, things start to become a lot more, um, attuned with what you actually see when you, when you, when you hit the, the market, um, as opposed to, Hey, imagine, you know, you're fresh out of college and you're, you're a CMO, uh, zero experience. What well, what would you do? Uh, so yeah, <laughs> I think that's true. You know, I, I think that, uh, uh um, to, to that point and sort of like having a, a, a uh, a not direct line, I think, in my career, as some people might have, I think that the that the key advantage in an approach like that is just to take advantage of what you can learn every time you're somewhere, right? And so that internship, that first job, like there's definitely something to be to be learned there. And uh, so just looking for those opportunities to kind of like improve yourself, improve your skills, I think is so important. And the uh, yeah. uh, you know, yeah, no, no, I I follow you on that. So. All right, so so let's let's jump in. Let's jump into the meat of the episode. Uh, what what was one failure for you? You know, this is actually it's. I think it's a, a leadership failure. So, uh, uh, and I'll speak to one instance. But I mean, the truth is that as you're growing up in in in, in leadership and management generally, this is one of the things that I think there is no way to learn other than experience, right? And uh, uh, you just have to go through these things. You can have mentors. You can have people who can help guide you through the difficult times. But you're going to have those. And one one that 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 comes to mind for me uh, um, was at uh, at Autodesk. I was bringing together, uh, um, you know, Autodesk for the construction side had acquired several uh, companies, and so we we uh, created Autodesk Construction Solutions, which was including uh, that's right, thank you, uh, Plan Grid, uh, 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 which was which is what I came through. And uh, so we had about two years of, of integration for this. And I took over the, the full team uh, about two years after the acquisitions uh, of the full marketing team, which is about 120 people or so. And uh, uh, um, one of the things that I really wanted to prioritize was, was coming together as one team, because there were still ways in which we were operating as, uh, as three different sort of groups within the marketing function. Sure. I mean, they were literally different companies previously. Yeah. Exactly. And so the, the mission had been to bring them together into what is now Autodesk Construction Cloud. Uh, uh, um, and uh, uh, so made a lot of progress there. But there was sort of the integration of the software and then the cultural integration of, of, of the teams as well. And uh, uh, so, you know, mission number one, I take this job is to sort of like, let's just let's just get this new way of working together for, for everybody. Uh, 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 so we'll kind of work, work, work as one team and just sort of like overcome whatever those cultural uh, uh, challenges are. And so I, I, I spent a lot of time talking with, uh, um, with a number of people on the team uh, about sort of like, how could we work differently together? How could we create a new structure of, uh, uh, of, of working so that we kind of like have clear roles and responsibilities and, and clear sort of way for a lot of people to input. And so it was a very operational approach to how do we work together, right? So it's sort of like taking, creating a project management solution to sort of this integration. And uh, uh, I think it was not the worst solution, but I think what it had, what I had missed was the the the, the sort of the depth of uh, uh, distrust or mistrust or sort of like whatever sort of emotional uh, uh, holdback was was still on the team for, for a lot of people. And so when I sort of introduced this to a broader audience, so I think that it was there because we we hadn't had a frank enough conversation about about these things, right? And so I think that when 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 teams come together, different people have different roles within that organization, okay. and uh, uh, not everybody was happy with 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 every part of that, right? And so there hadn't been a forum to talk about that. There hadn't been there. There was still sort of a lot of, of lingering uh, uh, concerns or hesitation. And gotcha. Um, 
And so rather than sort of confronting that piece first, the real person side of it uh, and saying like, just really doing a listening to or really engaging with everybody about sort of where they are and, and how they think we ought to sort of be doing things differently. I went to the solution side far too quickly. And I think that, that you know, this is one example of, of a pattern uh, uh, that I just keep, you know, a lesson I keep learning in some ways, right? That, that, that like you, as a leader, it's gotta be people first process, everything else second, because yeah. if you don't bring the people with you, if you don't have a team that actually has bought into whatever the vision is that we're trying to build, uh, then you can't get there. Uh, and, and I want to, I want to ask you a question about that, uh, because it's, because it's something that I, I've been trying to, to get better at personally, which is sometimes when you're in a, in a, in a small team, uh, you know, perhaps like tiger eye size or like plus minus 20%, if you like, uh, you know, with, 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 um, when you don't have a, let's say you're like, you know, marketer number one, and you're, you're tasked with building out a team, uh, you have a lot of like fresh talent coming in and you get into this, uh, scenario where you know what, or quote unquote, you know, what the solution is to, to whatever challenge or situation is, is, is being faced right now. Um, and you almost have like two options. Like, do we just, do I just kind of like share the plan and, and, and we just get to executing it? Or do I go through the, the process of like involving the team and so on, knowing that perhaps like you may not, you, knowing that you may have a gut feeling that this really is what needs to be done. Um, mm -hmm. What's the point of discussing it? Like for, for folks who are, cause there's a lot of folks out there. Um, I, I certainly uh, used to be like that and I'm, and I'm still trying to, to, to get better at that person about like sometimes you're like I've already done the research I of course want to involve the team but I feel like this really should be the way uh but I also want to involve the team like how do you balance that if, if my question makes sense 100% it does I think that at, at a stage like we are right now which is on a small side of course for, for marketing I think that that the only way has to be you have a tremendous degree of trust with with the people that you work with you bring in people that you are highly confident in their ability to sort of communicate openly and honestly with you uh, um, about about these sorts of things, because you're absolutely right that you can't go to a three month analysis project on a question, right? You have to make a choice and 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 uh, test it out and maybe change quickly. So there has to be sort of room for mistakes. There has to be room for all sorts of things. But like trust is at the heart of that. And I think that as you get larger uh, in, in in the team size, it, it has to be patience from the leader with with this sort of thing because. Uh, uh, you know, the way that I think about it is what I want to work for myself. Right. And so if, if the answer to that is no, because, because I'm taking away all the fun parts of, of the job and, and supporting those for myself, then, then what, why would somebody want to be on that team? Right. Nobody wants to be there just to take orders or to, to fulfill your, your vision. So if you find those high trust people, you can work through those kinds of dynamics very easily where it's sort of like, if there's trust, then it's sort of like, Yes, uh, Kareem has thought about this. So let's let's go forward with this plan. Or I'm going to challenge Kareem on this one because I, I have a different point of view. And so if you can talk about it, you know, you can you can work through it. But and and, ju and just on that, actually, Stuart, like I think one thing that uh, that I, that I've been learning is that sometimes you have the um, you know what I mean, like the the privilege of people that like really support you, and they're very very smart. They're very supportive. When you share an idea, they take the stance of like finding all the things that are right with the idea. And one thing that I've learned the hard way is when I'm dealing with folks who are uh, really kind of like agreeable and, and supportive, uh, 
surface level that feels great and and so on but like ultimately we're trying to get to like the most objective you know what i mean like face uh, uh the most objective uh, way forward one thing that i've uh started to do and i'm, and I'm starting to, to experience a um, small amount of success with it so far is to purposely ask hey this is what i figured out so far i want to help i mean i want you to help me uh identify like what are the weakest points in in, in this plan or what are the things um that i'm missing here uh and almost like ask that leading question of like no no i know this is not perfect and where you can really add the most values help me uh poke holes in this like this is literally the the task or the thing that i that i need your help with you know i love that as, a, as an approach because i think that what it helps to undercut is people's just hesitation about not sure not being sure about what kind of feedback you're looking for and so just being as right. clear as possible on 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 those kinds of terms but also just inviting that kind of like dynamic to the relationship i think is important uh, yeah, we, yeah. So I think that sounds like a fantastic approach. Yeah, specific. Yeah, I mean, specifically when when like we're dealing with agreeable people, like it's something that's worked for me. So hopefully, it, it's something that uh, that you know that, that that folks can can take away as well. Um, so shifting gears, uh, what was one book for you? Yeah. So you know, I think that uh, I see a lot of books book, in the background. So there's, there's a lot of books. There's a lot of books. The one that that I think had played a really kind of a transformative role for me uh, was the book Code by uh, uh, by Charles Petzl. And so this book is basically, you know, it's, it's just an amazing book. And, and Charles wrote a lot of technical uh, documentation for uh, uh, different .NET, Microsoft uh, coding languages. And he's a, a very smart engineer. But this book is for uh, anybody. It's for it's basically how to build a computer starting with telegraph wires. And so he, he takes the most simple uh, sort of concept that we can all understand, which is sort of telegraph switching as as sort of step one, and then builds on top of that layers of complexity until you have basically a working conceptual computer. And so I think that, wow. that what was really impactful about this book for me, I read this book in maybe 2004 or so, was that it, it, it broke down it, it sort of made accessible the world of technology because I think that as an outsider, as somebody who didn't study uh, computer science at school, it feels impenetrable or magic or whatever it is. Yep, and and this you. book just yep. does a really fantastic job of of uh, uh, saying no, it's not that this is just this is a set of you know very complex but very understandable concepts that that build upon uh, each other. And so yeah. I can't. That's say amazing. That, I, I I think I might pick that up because uh, I'm I'm assuming it's not a dry read. Like it seems like it they they kind of take you at like your level and kind of you know, you're, you're kind of building through abstraction, I guess, like from there. Yes, absolutely. A fantastic, uh, well-written book. And uh, so that's, that's one that I would always recommend to somebody who just wants to sort of understand how computers work better. And uh, uh, so, you know, that's, uh, yeah, it was a really important. Do, do you find that it's, um, uh, stop, me if I, stop me if I'm getting too philosophical here, but did you find that this is kind of like, this has helped you um, even in like kind of like non, like, it, it, in non-related fields, like if, if there were any kind of like transfer, transferable learnings from uh, from the kind of like the mental models or the way the, that was structured, if I'm making sense. Uh, definitely. And, you know, actually what you're hinting at is is a book that I think is related that I was, it was my close number two, which is uh, uh, Barbara Minto, uh, 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 Minto Pyramid Principle, which. Oh, yeah. Uh, 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 it's just fantastic writer, and so if, it sounds like you might be familiar with the book. But for those who aren't, it, it, it really I think my my co-founder explained the concept to me, but I haven't actually read the the book itself. But I, I think that it was something about like, um, sorry, I'm about I'm, I don't want to butcher the the no. the thesis of it, but yeah, you can go ahead. <laughs> 
No, yeah. So, I mean, it's really just sort of structuring uh, solid arguments. That, that's the whole book, right? And so she gives you a very specific way to sort of like create a, uh, in some ways, a sentence, but then you sort of build upon that a document, a argument for something, and then uh, 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 attack it from different points of view and make sure that it's sound. And so I think that it's very related to code in the sense that it really starts from first principles of, uh, in this case, sort of like communication or ideas, uh, 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 and then adds layers of complexity. And in both cases, you know, I think that that what is always helpful to remember is just going back to the simple piece of, of what are we trying to do? What am I trying to build? What am I trying to communicate? And is it working? And so if you don't have mechanisms to sort of like understand or test that for yourself, then it's possible that you're not. And whenever I, I, I sort of bring that sort of Minto approach to a piece of writing that I've done or something else, it's just like immediately I see dozens of holes, right? Because I'm just making these leaps in my mind and I'm not taking the reader with me. I'm not communicating clearly. So uh, 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 in both cases, I think it's really just having that 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 ability to go back to the beginning. And... I love it. So Stuart, I know, I know we're like literally mid mid episode and it's not even out yet, but I can already tell you that my co-founders are going to absolutely love this um, <laughs> this episode and, and, and this and the soundbite from you. And the reason why is because um, his, his, his feedback to me always is that I, I use too many words. Uh, I need to be more concise. I need to be a, a clearer kind of like communicator. And he always uh, freaking like, you know, he always like just references the um, uh, the Minto pyramid and he's like, start by the almost like the conclusion or like the the, the, the overarching agreement and uh, not agreement, uh, argument, and then slowly kind of like break it, break it down and, and flesh it out and so on. Um, so, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I'm glad I'm glad that we're talking about this. The great thing about the book, too, if you get it from the uh, uh, from her, is that it comes with a literally like just a, a wallet sized card. That's just a summary of the whole thing. And so the whole point is being able Love to it. summarize. And, and so, yeah, <laughs> any book. Yeah. And, know, I, and I think it's so uh, sometimes people like to get uh, especially like the the older me. Thankfully, I'm, I'm, I'm recovering from that. Uh, sometimes like using fancy words and like sophisticated language or whatever. Um, it's like, who are you kidding? Like if you if you really are. I think um, there's like this really popular quote. I get it's probably on like T-shirts at this stage. Is from I think it was uh, Leonardo da Vinci that says, uh, "Simplicity is the ultimate sophistication," or something like that. Where mm -hmm. it's like if you really understand something, you should be able to explain it in in few words it, or few words or or in um, in simple terms overall. And if you are right. explaining something in a complex way, well, you know I got news for you, buddy. You probably don't understand this super well just yet. So yeah, right, makes sense. <laughs> um. So, so shifting gears once more, uh, getting a little bit deeper now. Who is who is one person for you in your uh, in your either your professional or personal journey that uh, that you want to tell us about? I think uh, I can go with uh, Diva Venkis. Uh, uh, so Diva was a manager. Uh, uh, I mentioned earlier that sort of uh, pre iPhone uh, mobile technology. So this company, we were it was it's a strange concept now, but like we were selling uh, uh, screen. Uh, backgrounds and uh, uh, ringtones and all sorts of stuff, and so it was interesting. Oh, I remember that. That was a that was a massive industry. <laughs> oh, it was. It was, and uh, it was a lot of fun uh, uh, at the time. And so Diva was 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 my manager uh, there for for a time. And um, she, what was really sort of impactful to me was that I think that she was the first manager I ever had who took a greater interest in me than in her own work. In some ways, hmm. and so I had had managers in the past who they were fine, they were good people, they were they were you know uh, uh, um, great, but they they weren't my mentor, my ally, my sort of advocate within within those organizations. And so, she yeah, was, what, what was an example of her kind of doing that? that? She, 
I think that it was uh, uh, just, I remember our one-on-ones, initial one-on-ones were, were always about sort of like where I want to go. And so this was the kind of company where I could, you know, my first jobs there were not super interesting. They were very rote. And so she said, what do you want to do? You know, like where, where, where could we go from here uh, 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 that would be interesting to you, that would be helpful to us? And uh, she really helped carve a path within that company for, for, for me and a number of other people that joined around that time. And all of us did well there. All of us sort of were able to uh, move from that first job to several other ones. And so I think that what I learned from her specifically, or what I benefited from that I try to sort of emulate is, uh, is really that, that direct sort of relationship with the people on your team and really sort of like putting them before yourself. And, and, you know, in, in her case, I think, uh, she enjoyed her time there. She, she, her outcomes were achieved. Uh, uh, within the team. So it's sort of like, it wasn't either us or her. And and some people I think do view it that way in some ways, where, where if you just put your own ambitions first, it's easy to sort of lose sight of, of, of your team. Uh, uh, but she really took an interest in, in me personally. And uh, I think coached me a lot of ways too, about sort of like how to have it, how to lead team, how to, how to manage, how to sort of ask for what you want to do. And uh, so, you know, within a couple of years there, I was working on this video product that was uh, uh, interesting at the time. And none of that would have been possible without sort of her being there to sort of advocate for me and uh, help coach me to sort of put, position myself or, or uh, have the conversations that I needed to to, to make the uh, case for what I wanted to do there. Oh, that, that's awesome. Um, it it kind of reminds me of, uh, of uh, an old manager that I had in, uh, in, uh, in LinkedIn, which was, which was my, uh, my, my, my first job. And I think there was definitely like a they definitely took an interest in kind of like talking about your professional, sorry, your personal goals, and then obviously your professional goals, and then uh, creatively trying to, to find to bridge a, to bridge to make a bridge between uh, between the two. Where, whereas I think there's a lot of companies out there that are like, hey, tell me about your professional goals. So you know, y- you want to exceed your target. What else do you want to do here at the company? Um, which which could be which could be um, of course important to, to others, but I think especially now like in the in the kind of like landscape that we live in right now, with, where the economy is like all over the place, um, uh, com- companies are, are are all over the place in terms of like you know um, h- hiring in, in terms of um, you know t- turnover and a couple of other things. Um, I I think people as well are are all over the place in terms of like what they want like back you know long gone are the days where you stay in a company for like you know what i mean like um five ten years like some some companies would be lucky to have someone for like that long uh but i think right now like there's definitely more kind of like movers and shakers and and they may not necessarily move and shake within your company and so you know being able to to recognize like how how you could help that person on their journey and yes naturally help the company along the way kind of thing but just kind of like being self-aware of that that hey this is like a real <laughs> this is a real person who's got like personal goals as well as they are uh, professional I'm, I'm curious like for folks tuning in who, who who buy into this like theoretically but are struggling to bring that to their teams or to kind of make make that bridge um as uh, uh, as i said like how what are some ways that, that that have been working for you i think that it's it's building the right way to to Conduct a one-on-one is is one piece. So certainly, first having one-on-ones with with everybody on the team is 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 really critical. And 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 thinking intentionally about how you use that time together is sort of step one for me. So like, is it about project updates, or is it about them, or is it about what what is that time about? 
And so do you mind giving us like your kind of like rough time split or structure for so, like the ideal one-to-one? -one? I actually am highly variable on that. So I'm variable in two ways. So one is based upon the person. And then the second is based upon the situation. And so what I have found is that some people uh, uh, really need that time to kind of talk or vent or whatever that is. And, and so we lean more into that without, you know, there's, there's a line, right? Where you can't, you can't move too far into just sort of uh, therapy session unlicensed. So you got to sort of like manage a little bit what your, what your, your, your limits are. But, uh, but if, if somebody feels, if, if that's what they need, then that's okay for me. And then I've had other people who, who really are sort of, they just want to talk about the work. They just want to focus mm -hmm. on that. And I think that in, in, if, if I were to try to push them into an area of just emotional discussion or sort of like something that's more personal, that's not what they want to do. And so I don't think it's appropriate for me to kind of like just have it be what I want. To push on that. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, yeah. But I do think that, that, you know, what I try to do for everybody is really start by finding out where they are at that moment. Right. And so yeah. open ended questions, uh, just to kind of a check-in and some people just blow off the check-in and say, let's get to work. Some people really respond to, you know, how are you doing? How are things going? And, and, and want to have a conversation about that. And maybe there's more yeah. questions that I could ask there, but, uh, um, but I have found that generally, uh, uh, given the invitation to talk about what they want to, they'll direct the conversation where they need to. So I think yeah, that's, I that. that's the, the, the important piece. Uh, I yeah, keep, keeping it highly variable to the specific there. person. Yeah. Oh yeah, go ahead, sorry. Is just that with with our current uh, uh, remote work culture, you know, it's just everything got 10 or 100 times harder for, for this stuff because you don't know what happens the moment you hang up the, the Zoom call or whatever, right? And so like if somebody is upset and they don't want to talk about it, you don't know that. If you're in a conference room together, you know, in person, you could you could sort of read those signs a little bit more easily. So I do think yeah. it's really important to go the extra mile as a manager, but also as a company, really make sure that you're investing, if if you are remote or partially remote or whatever, in the together in-person stuff. And this is something we do very well at Tiger Eye. You know, at least three or four times a year, the whole team comes together and it's just such a sort of like uh, rejuvenating experience to spend time yeah. together. And, uh, it makes a massive difference, uh, doesn't it? It really does. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I hear you on that. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask an annoying question, but like for, for, for teams that are still, uh, fully like a hundred percent remote, um, you know, like w what are something like, for example, like we at a Chopcast, like we're a hundred percent remote. Um, we technically have an office space, but like, we don't, we don't really use it. Um, crucially because we're, we're kind of like across multiple different like countries and so on. Um, I imagine a lot of teams are like that as well. It's not like everyone's kind of like in the same uh, location where, you know, where where, where, where this could happen. Um, curious if, if there are any uh, tips or advice that you would share with like 100% remote companies who are not necessarily yet at that stage of, uh, hey, let's meet like once a quarter or something like that. Yeah, we're there. I mean, we're 100% uh, uh, remote. So I think that, you know, that a couple of things that that, that we do that are, nice are, are people who can get together find opportunities to do so so there's a small crew in san francisco bay area that gets together every week or two at a, at a we work for example they do their own thing yeah and uh, i'm i'm in in portland oregon there's a few other people up here and we haven't actually done that but i think that we should we, we easily could and so in some ways it's sort of a random group of people who happen to live together so it's not quite like a team coming together but it, but it helps uh, uh solidify those bonds um i think the, the other part is is varying up the uh, 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 the way that you handle virtual meetings, and so is it. Uh, um, uh, we we do we don't really do just sort of pure social stuff that often, but we do those things occasionally, so that it's kind of 
uh, uh, um, either we're all sort of uh, playing some kind of game together or something like just a little bit of, of a breakup. But you know, the other thing I would say as a as a contrast between uh, a larger company where I was also remote and Autodesk in here is that at Autodesk, I was on Zoom all day long, uh, uh, really sort of like eight hours in calls and this sort of thing. And, and now I'm not. And I really think that being intentional about the amount of time you want your team sort of in these sessions is important because during the sort of worst years of COVID, there was definitely this sort of feeling like we were trying too hard to have fun together and to keep these bonds by, by doing some sort of different games or social activities. And I think that not everybody, some people might've loved it, but we, we did it a lot and it, it wasn't actually. There is a thing as such as like overdoing it. I think a lot, there were a couple, a couple of instances of, of it being overdone by companies for sure. Yeah. I got you. Yeah. So, but I don't have a, a perfect bullet uh, on that one. Yeah. Yeah. No, but, but, but I think what you've, what you've, you've definitely shared a lot, a good few ideas that like, I think could be that, that are good, like takeaways for, for, for folks, um, including us, to be honest, just in terms of like, Hey, like, even if you guys aren't all in the same city, um, try and like break up into smaller groups and kind of like build up, build up the culture on like a, uh, on like a pod level. Um, if that's the right analogy and kind of like, you know, you use that as a starting point and kind of build, build into that. Um, fair enough. All right. Well, Moving into the next key moment, um, what was one decision for you? I think that uh, uh, it was really the transition into marketing uh, 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 that that made a big impact on 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 sort of my trajectory. So this happened, I don't remember exactly when, but 2016, 17. And uh, 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 it was sort of a time uh, 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 where we had a new marketing leader come in at PlanGrid, uh, David Kane. Uh, Is and- that when you moved from product to, to marketing for the first time, right? Yes. Uh, uh, so I moved into marketing there and uh, uh, it was interesting because I was kind of looking to do something a little bit different and we had a new leader coming in and I'd been doing a lot with the, the go-to-market teams there. Um, and uh, so, you know, he and I, I remember very clearly this one meeting where he and I sat together in a small conference room and uh, 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 he wrote on the whiteboard uh, a number of different things that, that that we needed to get done. Our team at that point in marketing was was was, was quite small and uh, um kind of not a perfect mix of, of, of what you needed where. And uh, so we, we walked through this list and, and, and there were so many of those things that, that were interesting and that I was, if not necessarily an expert at, sort of interested in, in learning how to do better or learning how to do or able to do already. And you know, there's a lot of, of, of collaboration or similarity in some parts of a product uh, with, with marketing. You've got to be able to sort of express what you're trying to do. You have to be able to sell that to somebody. You've got to be able to sort of uh, uh, com- communicate about what you're doing well. And so... There was sort of a good foundation of transferable skills uh, uh, and then a lot of interest from my side in, in, in this other stuff. And, you know, things like film background, things like a lot of the work that I'd done early in my career connect with different parts of marketing. But marketing... And, and you know, did you feel any kind of like imposter syndrome going into some of these things? Because it seems like um, uh, it, it was it was like interest driven as opposed to like, oh, I've been doing this for 20 years. It was, but I think that that you know this is a good place where he was also. I could have used him as a uh, another uh, great mentor. I think to, to me because he gave me the sort of confidence and cover to help sort of like make those decisions, right? So gotcha. he's somebody who would always be honest uh, with feedback to me. I would talk to him before I talked to other people about stuff, and so coached me through that. I think that imposter syndrome. Everybody has it about everything, and it you know uh, uh, at least it seems that way to me. Uh, yeah. uh, so you just got to kind of get over it and, uh, uh, do your best. Right. Uh, um, yeah, but, yeah. um, well said, 
Yeah. So I mean, that was that was that was a, a big a big change. And and you know, I what I've really enjoyed. So I started in product marketing, uh, uh, which was of course a natural hop over, and mm-hmm. then I grew to to other areas, including content, and that uh, uh, eventually the full the full stack. And I think that you know the, the hardest thing to get into was in some ways uh, uh, just the world of engine because like this, it, it felt like such a there's so much. Uh, um, uh, unique taxonomy. There's so much sort of like best practices, and I didn't know any of that stuff uh, at all mm-hmm. coming into that. And so, you know, I was fortunate uh, uh, um, to have great partners when I was in product marketing, and then when I eventually took over, great, great leaders in that area. So, yeah. you know, I've, what what were some of the kind of like stark differences in your opinion from like um, uh, for for folks who may not be like familiar between the two between kind of like Dimension and and more of the more more of the more of like some of the other like product marketing um, aspects overall. I think that, you know, product marketing uh, uh, for me is always, it starts with that sort of core of storytelling. And so it's it's kind of disconnected from tactics or something else. It has to be centered around what can we say about about our product and how can we how can we express that value uh, clearly, simply. And then uh, 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 there's a lot of stuff that radiates from that. There's certainly the sort of like pitches, uh, 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 videos you might make or any kinds of materials that are generated there. But in some ways, like the, the line is the creation of the narrative and and that sort of core set of of what we're talking about. And then over the line is is where the dimension, or this is a very simplistic way to express it, but uh, picks up the ball, right? And so what they're doing is thinking about uh, how we can match that story from product to different audiences. Product should obviously be thinking about audiences, like what's the right message for audience A versus B. But demand uh, should have the ability to sort of like really specify, is there enough audience here? Is there a, a way to, to, to reach them digitally, in person, all these other uh, channels? And and so, you know, like the, the, the but the, the, the most public artifact of demand gen within an organization is a giant spreadsheet that has a million calculations and like these crazy numbers, right? And so like you just look at it and it's like, okay, well, these guys seem to know what they're doing, but I don't know what they're doing. Uh, so sort of like decomposing that, starting to, to, to sort of learn that practice and, and how, w- what is important to them, right? Because in Dimension, you've got so many different aspects you're trying to balance. You've got the creative. Is, is, is the creative like going to work? Is the, is the size of the audience uh, big enough? Where are the different uh, challenges on, on the, each step of the funnel? Uh, um, and how do we really efficiently use our budget? Yeah, exactly. And, and just building on, building on that stir, like I think even within Dimension, like I think, uh, specifically from a, from a product standpoint, like when we, you know, when we come from like a product, um, marketing, almost like, uh, discipline, we, we're, we're very excited about the product we want to do. We want to talk about the product and it's very much like, it's kind of like that classic, like problem unaware, problem aware, solution aware. Um, and we miss, we make the assumption that everyone is solution aware and we just need to talk about like how great the product is as opposed to like taking like a hundred steps back and recognizing that, well, first of all, are people even aware of the the problem? First of all, first and foremost, and then from there, you know, for those who are like, like get, making sure that we're able to move them from like problem unaware to like problem aware. And then, and, and seeing like what role uh, the product can play all throughout the journey. Um, again, depending if it's, if the company is following like a, uh, a product led motion or like a freemium kind of motion. Um, or, or if there's other things that you can educate. So I think it takes a, a level of op- almost like marketing, like open-mindedness or, or yeah, kind of like, uh, thoughtfulness to recognize that, Hey, like not everything we put out, um, is, is whether, whether, as you said, it's like from a content perspective or like figuring out like what, what to do with the budget, like everything 
should should not always be talking about like that specific thing because from a there's a lot of like demand gen literature that says that 95% of folks at any given time are not ready to buy. <laughs> so how do you educate them through that journey? And and are we as marketing teams, are we really spending 95% of our time educating them not about features and benefits, but like educating them about the problem and the challenge and the, the jobs to be done and so on. I totally agree. And you know, one thing that I found to be a helpful proxy for that is your internal team, because it can mm. easily be the case that I think you need a decently sized team, maybe 20 people or so to really sort of start to think this way. But like, it's easy to, to, to bifurcate your thinking, to say that I'm only responsible for command chain. I'm not responsible for messaging. Therefore, yeah, I don't and, care. And silence. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And so I think that, that, that if you really sort of like help the team say that, like, do you understand this? Even though it's not your job to express this, are you able to sort of like, does this message connect with you who mm -hmm. theoretically should know a decent amount about this already? Uh, it can help because uh, it, it helps in two ways. So one is that it gives you good feedback from a very trusted source that like, right. is this working or not? But then second, I think that it, it increases the accountability towards the mission for everybody on the team because nobody wants to feel like they're downstream of something else and they shouldn't be, right? Like there's so much creativity in, 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 in the demand channel organization that can get stifled by sort of like if messaging is pushed down too hard. So it's right, really yeah. involving people. It's almost like sense check it internally and make sure that they're they're on board from a, yeah, from a comprehension yeah, yeah. almost like standpoint, yeah. 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 But yeah, I think that is the single hardest thing because you as in product marketing, you, you know, there's two things that I found for myself, which is that one, I just assume everybody sees things the same way I do, which is uh, the right answer, obviously, is our product. Uh, uh, but then the second is 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 getting tired of your own messaging too quickly in some ways, right? Where you like you see this stuff over and over again, so you just want to move on, but the world's not with you yet. And so, like that patience and that sort of like real focus on the customer rather than yourself, and just getting your 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 own whatever out of the way uh, and focusing yeah. on them is is always the right uh, approach. Yeah, I mean that that yeah, well 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 said. I think I think it's something that. Um... That, that I think will just hopefully for like people tuning in, like, I think it's just going to help them uh, get more aligned on like how, how to approach these, these different things. Cause sometimes this is probably the most dangerous thing, but like a lot of times people use these terms like interchangeably uh, the same way they interchangeably use, you know, strategy and tactics and so on. So I think th this was really helpful to, to, for you to share for sure. Um, so now we're down to our final key moment, almost there. Uh, what was one learning for you or accomplishment that, meant something different to you even though on the on the outside of it maybe it wasn't like you know the shiniest thing for others but for you it just hit different you know i think it kind of builds on on that 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 key challenge that we were talking about earlier and uh, um uh, it, it it was i think that the, the the transformation that i felt in the way that the team was working in in kind of the year after uh, sort of those those initial challenges because so I had two, sort of two full years leading leading that that team, and the first one was really kind of building that that trust in that culture and and so maybe it was sort of like somewhere between the end of year one and and, and year two, uh, um, but starting to see the impact of 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 that not that original sort of way of working but uh, the one that we eventually worked towards of of p the teams coming together really reinforcing each other and. Uh, helping to deliver work together in a way that, that it hadn't been when, when sort of I first joined. And what was, what was the switch that you, that you, that you made in that case? 
I think it was really around planning for uh, uh, for for what is uh, I guess now FY twenty four for them. And so this, you know, we did like anybody else, large sort of fiscal year plans, and uh, 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 it was a big focus of my time there to kind of like make sure that we were planning in concert with sales and 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 success and others. Uh, uh, um, but you know, the first part was was getting the team within marketing working well together, and uh, so this was not something I did by myself. There were other people, Sarah Lee, Colin Piper, a number of people who really helped to kind of like drive a real strong way of of, of uh, uh, planning together. But you know, what we ended up with at the end of of uh, uh, the planning cycle for twenty four was just, I think, a really strong plan that um, uh, 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 had real contribution from from the entire organization and real buy in from them. And so in some ways, you know, it's sort of like, uh, uh, it's a strange accomplishment maybe, but uh, uh, what it, what it stood for, I think, was was team cohesion, team sort of focus, clarity, and collaboration. And I think that as, as a leader of a team, you know, that's what you need to be focused on in order to drive the results that uh, the business needs of you, so. I, lo- I love how you you're, you brought it kind of like full circle because I remember when we were talking about like the um, uh, the, the failure point, that we, we were still talking about that, but I love, I love how it kind of, I, I, I love slash I'm glad how it how it all eventually came like full circle. What were some um, like maybe tell 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 me some kind of like takeaways from that that folks would be able to apply um, in like internally at, at, at their specific teams. Um, may, maybe if maybe if they were like operating on a slightly smaller scale or maybe a much smaller scale than Autodesk. Like surely there were some things that were um, universal um, learning. I can I can almost guess some of them, but I don't wanna I don't wanna speak too soon. Uh, yeah, you know, I think a couple of things I would say are are really being intentional about the way that you collect ideas and make decisions, and 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 not doing those things in a way that can be perceived as politicized or 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 something else. Uh, so does that so mean like involving them literally from day zero, or doing some groundwork and then involving them later, but but still early enough? I think both of those can work. I, it depends on sort of the scale of the team and and how the team I think wants to operate. But we, we did these, you know, we did uh, for, for 24, we did these extreme uh, 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 whiteboarding sessions where anybody who wanted to show up could, and they could contribute whatever they wanted to. And nice. I found them a little bit stressful in some ways because sort of like I have a hard, I, I don't like to uh, be the one shooting down ideas, right? I don't want to be the judge, but that was all in my head, right? That wasn't about what the team needed there. What the team needed at that time was to sort of express their their thoughts. And, and there were great ideas. There were sure. great ideas. There was all sorts of things on the list. But I think that what helped us there was that we had a clear next step from there. So it wasn't every idea is going to move forward. It wasn't every idea is going to get get killed. But every idea was at least heard and, and potentially considered at least. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I think that, that it was important in that moment to know what the next step was, which was how the decision was going to be made. Because it mm-hmm. didn't feel then, if it had felt like just an exercise to appease them, right, then, then nobody's going to really work that hard or, 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 or want it to be want to come back to the next one, I guess, but sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so I think finding the right ways to kind of like involve the team more broadly and just remembering that everybody is a creative thinker who has something to share. Uh, and, and what about, what about that? Another, it, another... it seems like you're going to share like a little bit about like, or, or I, I'm hoping you can tell us a little bit about like what that sort of like rubric was for, uh, in terms of like the decision-making criteria, because I think to your point, uh, like pe- pe- people are not stupid <laughs> to put it bluntly. Like, I mean, if they think, hey, this is just a uh, cultural exercise, but we we don't actually care what you say or contribute, they'll be like, yeah, I'm 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 two steps ahead of you right now, and yeah, no thanks, I'm not even going to participate right. or, or give it my all, kind of thing. Uh, whereas, hey, like if there is a specific objective rubric or criteria, um, it's like, all right, game on, let's 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 put our best foot forward and see see what ideas kind of make the cut. 
Well, and I think that the most clarifying tool to help with that is knowing what you're trying to do uh, from a leads perspective, from a business perspective, right? Because like once you start decomposing that problem, like we always had very large, aggressive growth targets uh, uh, and, and you need to if you're in a growing business like that. Uh, um, but so once you start thinking about like of these different things that are on the table, like what's going to drive the needle, what's not, right? It, it, it's it's neutral as a, as a tool to sort of help equivocate between different options. It's uh, uh, impactful because, you know, maybe there's something that's sort of high complexity, low return. It's an obvious no. Maybe there's something that's high complexity, high return. It's interesting, right? Right. So it's, a, it's like that typical, yeah. Compete. Uh, uh, so just, yeah, I think whatever, whatever the, 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 the tool is to decide, make those kinds of decisions, really making sure that those are understood. So we spent an awful lot of time talking about the targets, talking about the targets with sales, hearing what they thought uh, could have impact. And that was, I think, another piece that was clarifying. I think that uh, uh, marketing can sometimes, probably other teams too, be in their own heads too much. And so really talking to sales, saying like, what is driving the impact? What is not? And they're not going to be right 100% of the time, but it's an important voice to hear. And it's one that that if there's a, a sense of friction, uh, 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 it just gets worse from there, right? So like being really mindful of doing one process that unites marketing, sales, success, and uh, leadership is is critical. So anyway, that's where the goals come from. I got to say, Stuart, like this is probably one of uh, the, the more tactical episodes we've had so far. So uh, thank you so much for like sharing all this. Um, we're at the end of the episode, but before we go, what was, I mean, it, it, where, where can people find you? And is there anything that you wanted to share or talk about uh, I mean, yeah, anything that you want to share as yourself or as uh, Tiger Eye in terms of who, who you can help or anything that you wanted to share in general? Well, I appreciate it. I think, yeah, best place is actually LinkedIn. I have uh, everything else everywhere, but uh, that's the only thing I ever log into is LinkedIn. So definitely love to build my network there. And uh, I think from a personal side, uh, uh, happy to uh, uh, meet anybody and uh, uh, always love sort of talking through this kind of thing with, with other marketers. So I would encourage anybody to reach out if that's of interest. Uh, um, and then, you know, if for, for folks in uh, particularly sales, go to market, I think we're building some pretty exciting stuff at Tiger Eye. So it's worth, it's worth checking out. Uh, the website is fairly minimal today, but, uh, you'll be more to learn in the coming months. So, uh, uh, keep an eye out. Amazing. Awesome. Well, Stuart, thank you so much for coming on and, uh, we'll see you soon. Uh, thanks so much. Kareem. It was a real pleasure to be here. Thank you.